Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me on Culture Flow, the podcast where we discuss how culture moves through us and informs how we move through the world. My name is Laurentina Meniza. I am an intercultural specialist and personal development enthusiast, and I'm here to help you become a great global citizen. On this episode of Culture Flow, I am bringing you yet another amazing conversation with another amazing guest, Tayo Roxon. Tayo is a writer, speaker, consultant, podcaster, professor, co-founder, and brand strategist at UID Management, a strategic consulting firm that empowers organizations to incorporate sustainable diversity and inclusion practices. He is an authority in communicating effectively across cultures and personal branding, and he has graced various stages to share his knowledge, including TEDx and the United Nations. Tayo is the host of Asshole by Nomads, a podcast ranked in the top five tier of the top 25 business podcasts for entrepreneurs on entrepreneur.com. And he's also the author of a book that I believe everyone should get, Use Your Difference to Make a Difference. In 2020, he launched the national anti-racism campaign called Hashtag Let's Talk Bias. In 2021, Tayo was named in a remote weeklies list of the 100 most influential remote experts and starred in the award-winning movie Impact, which tells the story of three people who embark on a personal journey to transform the way they communicate on their quest to impact the world. So on top of all of this, Tayo also has something very special in common with Barack Obama and Yoko Ono. Can you guess what that is? Just like Barack Obama and Yoko Ono, Tayo Roxon is a third culture kid, also known as a TCK. So you may be wondering, what is a third culture kid? Well, you're in luck, because this is exactly what we'll be talking about with Tayo in this episode. So listen in to find out what TCKs are and what their experience can teach us about communicating effectively across cultures. Hi, Tayo. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Culture Flow. Pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I always ask my guests to first introduce themselves in their own words. I find it really interesting when uh, you're able to talk about yourself in your own words. So I'm going to ask you, could you uh, talk about yourself, introduce yourself uh, in your own words? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Ty Roxon. I define myself as a cultural translator and a uh, storyteller in a mission to dismantle systems of oppression and suppression. So uh, this stems from my personal life. I, I grew up as a Nigerian who spent, you know, uh, the first decade of his life in and out of three military regimes and two of them were dictatorships. And then I eventually lived in five countries and four continents, which has led down to my career as a consultant, uh, author, speaker, and, um, you know, professor. Mm, that's really, really interesting. Um, so, uh, so you said that it kind of stems from your personal life. Can you tell us about more about what attracted you to precisely work in interculturality, diversity, and inclusion? And 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, when you grow up in a similar way that I did, and I know we're going to discuss that concept, mm. you're always in and out of different cultures. And a lot of what you start becoming interested in is how to either fit in or understand the culture you're in, right? And so as a kid, I think a lot of it was me trying to fit in. As I got older, it was me discovering myself and being okay with that person. Then as I got even older, it was me trying to fight against those systems that didn't allow me to be my, you know, myself when I was younger and even now. And, you know, just thinking back and, and looking at what it was like initially with the dictatorship, you, you just get used to the idea of, you know, holding back and, 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 and so that you don't get into trouble, especially because in the dictatorship, it's a little different mm-hmm. or you don't get into all that. And so I've always resented that uh, for some reason. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I, I I just gravitated towards people that that really bucked tradition and were unapologetically themselves. And I feel like honestly, if we don't know how to do that in our systems, or if we don't strive to do that in our systems, we're not going to have the inclusive world we need. So, mm. yeah, that, that was that was why I said personal. That's really interesting. So when you talk about the systems, obviously you're talking about the di- dictatorships. Uh, what other systems could you... Part of them, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the world is operating a system. So the education system, mm-hmm. government system, workplace mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. you know, uh, media system. And all these systems tend to have certain narratives, Yeah. right? This is the beauty standard, mm-hmm. right? This is what's considered professional. Mm-hmm. This is what's considered clean cut. This is what's considered successful. Mm-hmm. This is what's considered strong. And all these definitions sometimes don't always have... The, the nuance of different cultures. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think back to when I was younger, I was this, in, I was, this was when I was 10, I was a skinny Nigerian kid with a thick Nigerian accent in a French speaking country in America to national school. And this was yeah. Burkina Faso. So we had just moved there. And in my head, for some reason, I, I used to, I used to want to have straighter hair. I used to want to have lighter skin. I, I, I didn't like going by my name, which I love now. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, my name is a big part of who I am, but I, I, I was, for some reason, as a 10-year-old, I was so happy that my last name was English sounding Roxton. Mm. I was like, oh, gosh. Okay, good. I can be considered cool. But that yes. idea. Yeah, right? Based on the limited stories that we see mm. is what I mean by the systems, right? You know, you know. And then, I, you know, getting older, you also see people not accepting you because of your full name. And then it's like, do you not think that I'm more than you? You just assume that I can't speak English? So mm. st- things like that and, and stuff like that are what I, what I mean by systems. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get like maybe into a bit into more into what you're saying about not accepting you. Is it not like how does it show up uh, the way they're not accepting you by your full name? Is it like is it subtle? Does it depend on the people, the culture? (laughs) Uh, It wasn't subtle in middle school. It's very uh, in middle school. People have uh, little to no filter. So you know, oh, your name's weird. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, sounds like this. Oh, <laughs> you look like this. Your nose is this. Your hair is that. Your food yeah. smells weird. <laughs> just, I was just like, what? Wow. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, yeah, this is, you know, kids. This is before anyone's even a teenager. But even but those type of things, they stick to you, especially when you don't fully know yourself. So you're just like, oh, gosh, I guess they are right. I do sound weird. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but it, it was those yeah. type of things. And it was a very, very small school. It was about a school of 120 students. And this is from pre-K to 12th grade. So, you know, everyone knew everyone. And, you know, 
if someone says something, the other person heard it, and it's like, oh, oh gosh, I have to come to school tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's like snowballing throughout the school. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's really interesting. So you're obviously like multi-talented, multi-passionate. And there's so many topics we could have talked about today, but precisely, perhaps we'll we'll get to do that on other episodes. But today I would really want uh, to talk specifically about third culture kids. Hmm. So for the audience, uh, can you tell us what is a third culture kid? You know, it's, it's taken up many definitions. I think the loose definition is is those that, that say that, it, you know, it's for those that spend formative periods of their lives in and out of, you know, cultures that are different from their parents, right? But, but you know, but it generally, you know, immigrants, diplomatic kids, missionary kids, army brats. And, and I, I'm a firm believer that it can happen even in a, in a country, right? A lot of people that move around within different parts of the countries, you, you, you just figuring out that, hey, you know, I've moved from Tennessee to that, or I'm from <laughs> Nutton, you know, Nutton Hill. I moved there or Nottingham. I, I went there to Leicester and I'm Leicester. And now I'm in yeah. London and I moved to Wales and then Scotland, you know, Absolutely. Glasgow, right? <laughs> right? All these, all these parts. So when you, you find yourself in and out of multiple different cultures, especially during the formative periods of your lives, that's the third culture kid. But then there are adult third culture kids who do that in their adult years, right? In you know, maybe because of a job or a spouse or any of that. Mm. And you find yourself in environments with people that are very, very different from you and they have different ways of doing things. And uh, yeah, yeah, that, that is the definition of third culture kid. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really interesting when you talk about like adult third culture kids and also immigrants and uh, where you can, and also people just moving from one place to another, to another within the same country. I absolutely agree because culture, like the definition of culture itself is very uh, expandable, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think before, maybe when it first came out, the, the term, I don't quote me on this, I'm not quite sure, but I think it might've been applied to just people that were highly mobile internationally, I think. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've come to realize especially when I'm traveling the just people just have different ways of doing things and we're so diverse as, as, as a, as a world. And, and oftentimes, you know, you find people who are trying to be culturally fluent with cultures. They don't even know like, Oh shoot, that's how you did it in this high school. Mm-hmm. In this high school, I was here and that, you know, so <laughs> I've, I've become more flexible with that because especially when I work with kids now, you, you really start to see how someone can be ostracized based on what they know and what they don't know or who they're with and what they're not with. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, I guess maybe it's like about labels again, like we call mm. some, um, it's like the, the, the everlasting, the, the eternal debate of like immigrant versus expat. Um, it's oh, like, God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you know about that as well. And uh, and then you have like third culture kids and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot that those people have in common, but it's all about like labeling, how we label them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference, right? And it's the title of my book and it's been yes. the genesis of my platform. And the reason, one of the reasons I put it there, it's as much a personal embracing of your unique identity as it is a celebration of diversity and differences mm. but I also when I wrote the book what I was trying to highlight is most of the problems in the world we have today and throughout history have been because 
many of us or some of us had a difficult relationships with something we didn't understand, something that was different, right? Different religion, yeah. different gender, different way of doing it, different tribes. And it led to this idea of fear or power, or I need to take, get power. I need, I, they're going to yeah. take us or they're going to convert our children or any of this. And that has been the problem throughout the, the world. When you really think about it, when someone finds someone so different and they see them as a threat, that they either want to eliminate them or, you know, whitewash them, it becomes the way society is formed, right? You know, generations go by and then you start to accept those whitewashes and eliminations as norms. And you just mm. say those things, then you dehumanize people. And then you're like, yes. oh, I mean, that's just how I grew up. Uh, what's, the, what's the big deal? Yeah. You're too soft or stop it. <laughs> and, yeah. So I've just noticed that all throughout time. And it's, uh, it's interesting how, those patterns re repeat themselves. Yeah, that's true. That is so true. So, um, so back to third culture kids, what we call third culture kids. Could you share like three assets that you believe professionals um, with those with that kind of background are able to bring to organizations? I think the ability to adapt is one. Um, yeah. The ability yeah. to think on your feet, right? You know, you, you, you know, when something comes there. Um, and, you know, ability to see nuance, right? Be, we live in a world uh, of nuance that's governed by binary systems. You know, mm -hmm. many people like to think this or that, but I don't believe that many people are actually this or that people. If you really sat down with them and they, you know, you, you hear like, oh, yeah, I believe that, but I also believe this, yeah. but we sometimes we get there. So, yeah, thinking of your feet, adapting and, and ability to see nuance would be those three things for me. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, when you speak about like the nuances and and I guess how we try to um, to put binaries on something that nuance, I really liked how you put that. Um, yeah, it's it's how do you like get people to, I guess, see that because it's way easier to be able to think in the binary way. Uh, mm -hmm. You're either this or that, and not have to go in between. Yeah. How do you? How do we get there? How do we get to nuance? Well, we need to expand our worldview, right? So our worldview, what I believe your worldview is, is what you're exposed to plus lived experiences. Mm -hmm. If anyone is thinking, listening right now, how can I improve my worldview is, I will have them reflect on their lived experiences yeah. and what they expose themselves to. So you need to expose yourself to more things you don't understand, to more people you don't know more about. Uh, it, it, you need to follow your curiosity that way. Mm -hmm. And then your lived experiences, you need to make sure that in the places you live in, you, you, you're, whether it's work or, or life, you, you're finding yourself in, in, in a, you're putting yourself in a position where you, you are constantly learning and gravitating. Because, you know, when, when, I, when people tell you, and I've been in rooms with people like this who, there's <laughs> not the pleasant, most pleasant rooms with people who would say, oh, you are like a different black person. Huh? <laughs> like, what? How did you not know any other? Like, yeah, you know, the other black people are just like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, what? And you <laughs> find out that it's, oh, yeah, well, you know, I just watch all these uh, rappers. And, and I'm like, you really think that all black people are like, oh, yeah, man. So I see. And I'm like, so you, you, you see the commercials. Uh, 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 people marketing to Africa to send money and then all these things and that's their whole <laughs> idea yes. of what a black person or even with Asian Americans or Indians or any Absolutely. of these things all these things so I always have people to really reflect on what it is that they're consuming 
and then uh, and and there that and then you find that the more you realize the more you know the more you realize you don't know rather and you're like oh oh yeah i was wrong yeah so. yeah but that's an uncomfortable position to be with and not everyone is willing to be yeah. in the discomfort of not knowing you got to get uncomfortable to be seriously and and i'm only saying this is i was in a privileged position of having that right because Yes, I, you know, if I didn't grow up as the son of a diplomat, I don't know that my worldview would be this way. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you, you sometimes I'm, I'm having conversations with my parents and like, that's how you see it. And, and you're like, yeah, it's, this is your fault. You put me in all these positions. Where I, <laughs> I got curious. But, like, I don't know. I'm still sticking to this. But um, it, it was that. And I, I don't take that for granted, by the way, which is why I'm so committed True. to the education of that. So I was fortunate enough to, 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 find myself in these positions which allowed me to sort of see people and understand people for who they wanted to be but i still don't even know half of what i need to know that's the Mm. funny thing i'm still learning i i every day i'm finding out different things about multiple aspects of identity i'm like i had no idea i've been participating in this you know what have i been doing so i just say all that to say there is no finish line and if you keep thinking of it like a finish line you're going to get frustrated it's more about adapting as a mindset and learning you know you know just a learning mindset and you know and then you absolutely that way yeah yeah just what you said about like being privileged enough to be born in the situation where you like you were able to go from one place to to the other and it's it's really humbling actually it's just a position of you humbling yourself and not being like well i knew this like that oh, yeah. i just knew it it's not I used taking to be so it black and white you have no i mean <laughs> i was one of the most <laughs> i just me so i just say this serious, but you get Many people don't acknowledge the privileges. If you don't acknowledge your privilege, you're not going to be able to find a way to change. I I think a lot of times people, when you hear privilege, like, but I worked hard. I'm no one, but it's possible to have those, again, nuance, to be a hard worker, but also acknowledge, okay, this happened because of this, and let's try and make sure we improve access for those uh, that don't have the same opportunity. But um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I sometimes have to remind myself because I, as a black woman, it's like, I'm not going to say it's easy to to fall into the trap, but like it happens that sometimes you're like, okay, we're like at the bottom of the barrel, basically. Right, right, right. But right. then I have to remind myself of my privileges as an individual. And I have to, I list them sometimes in my mind. I'm like, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. And it, it really humbles you, actually, instead of making you feel like you're better. It humbles you to be like, so I'm cisgender, I'm, uh, I'm able, able-bodied, able-bodied, yeah. exactly. But you know the thing about nuance? This is the thing I always tell people. You can both be marginalized and privileged, right? So I, as a Black man, you're just a Black woman. Um, I, you know, I'm Nigerian. So, you know, the last administration was not kind to Nigerians. We were on the, no, we are on the list of yeah. countries not to do I, that affected me personally and family wise. Yeah. Um, I've experienced a lot of what was happening last summer, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'm a man, I'm straight, you know, I'm all these things. So I, I said, this to say that all these things can, can happen at the same time. And sometimes when I see the conversation, it's like, no, it's either, well, well you already have that. So just, yes. that's, there's no way. I'm like, what? 
It's all happening. <laughs> you can't just take away that. Well, well, I thought Black Lives Matter. Yes, Black Lives Matter. Like, well, then you have this. What are you talking about? <laughs> wow. Like, it doesn't erase any of these other Exactly. Things. That's right. That is so right. I think it's really important to just take a moment and be like, yeah, just, yeah, have a look at everything from different perspectives, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, Back to like third culture kids. So in this context of globalization and increasingly diverse societies, uh, we're simultaneously like at the same time witnessing a rise in hate crimes, nationalism, racism, and other isms, uh, phobias, et cetera. And uh, while seeing this, the the increasing diversity that's happening. So how do you think that the the TCK experience, third culture kid experience can contribute to building more inclusive societies? This is one of the questions I was thinking about often because I was, I think when you grow up as a TCK, you find that the concept of being seen, heard and understood for who you really are is a, that's a universal thing. Now, how that's applied, it's very different, right? People, there's different things that people need to be seen, heard, and understood. And I don't know that as a world, when we think about all the isms, we, we remember that, you know? Because in the root of all these isms is, I'm better than you. We need more of this. You go back there. We take this at, at your expense. Yeah. And it's almost like people aren't listening to, to understand that these threats that we are making up in our head or, or creating are not <laughs> they're not the idea that we think, right? It, 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 you know, I can speak of speak of myself as a black man. If someone's anti-black, for example, and I've mm. experienced this, you know, someone clutching their their wallet or their purse in the open daylight, which has happened to me, or running away from me, and I'm like, where, where does that fear come from? What do you think is actually happening? Do you not think that I also want to be able to exist and walk down the street without? any you know fear of violence just the same way you don't want to do that and then and when you really sit down with that people are like oh yeah wow that's true i was just reacting based on what i was told but i didn't even really reflect or think about that and the same sort of thing with policies people right now are feeling quote unquote impressed because we're fighting for equity right and that's what it feels like to them because it's always suited them in 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 the sense that they haven't had to really understand what it's like for other people to actually get seats on the table. And so I just have people really reflect, what is it that you fear? That's the one thing I'll tell as a TCK from my TCK experience is really addressing what exactly it is that they fear. Do you fear the idea of something or the actual thing? Because I think a lot of times it's the idea, which then comes into the, you know, morphs into whatever they believe the thing is. And it becomes very dangerous when you blur those lines. Uh, because mm-hmm. then you start saying, well, uh, this is how I believe love is. This is how I believe freedom is. And this is how I believe race should be. And this is how I believe, you know, ableism should be. And you don't even know why you're saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it, it's a problem. A lot of people making these policies don't know why they're making the policies, mm-hmm. which is the scariest thing. They're just doing what they feel like they're supposed to do without really reflecting and understanding if it's going to do what they think it is going to do. Absolutely. Well, I think maybe one of the things, I don't know what you think about that, that is required for that is to be able to have self-awareness. For sure. First step. Is is that, so I want to ask, like, maybe that's kind of like 
an obvious uh, question, but like, is that something that can be taught, self-awareness? In the book I wrote, educate, don't perpetuate, instead communicate. Right? Yeah. So the educate yeah. part, education yourself, yeah. education environment. Mm -hmm. If anyone right now is listening to and they're trying to figure out how to educate themselves on who they are, it's, I, I will say, start off with your BTVs. Now your MTV, <laughs> your BTV. So your biases, your triggers, and your values. So your mm -hmm. biases, your biases are formed based on what? It could be fear. Uh, it could be fear. It could be story. It could be avoidance, um, or it could be security. So if it's fear, it's based on maybe a repeated experience you've had with a repeated group of people, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's why you've come to fear that or something has happened. Um, story. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's something that you've constantly seen. It's a philosophy, something mm -hmm. you believe, something passed on. Um, security, a way for you to feel better by yourself. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. about something. And then if it's avoidance, maybe you constantly avoid difficult topics or things that make you uncomfortable. And so what happens is your brain fills it in with whatever is already out there, mm -hmm. right? So people need to, first of all, be honest about that. And the mm -hmm. reason why they need to be honest about that, because everybody's biased, it doesn't mean it's good or bad. But some bias can lead to prejudice. But if you're not honest about that, then you don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Because if you if you if you think you're doing if you do what you're supposed to do, you just put a square on Instagram. You're going to be performative. But if you don't know what your particular <laughs> bias is, you're not going to move. You're just going to be great at performing. And yeah. we already have enough award shows. Okay, <laughs> so so you you get there, get honest with that, and then yeah. that then becomes the basis for which you can figure out what your T is, your trigger why what what are the triggers here right and we all have triggers so i'm like when, when we get excited you like your heart beats or your it's the same thing that happens when you're nervous maybe if someone crosses the street that you're afraid of you know something happens but being able to identify that and understand how your body and your emotions react mm -hmm. is going to be so great for you like oh shoot okay that always happens when this is here when i'm in this neighborhood when i'm there and then your values this is key many people believe that they're good people or, mm. and others are bad people, but they don't know why. And it's the funniest thing to me because I'll ask people to tell me what their five core values are and many wouldn't be able to tell me. Mm. Maybe four, they won't be able to tell you. Three, maybe they know two or one. Mm. But if you don't know what your five core values are, how do you know who you are and how you are going to be at your best self? And so yeah. I always encourage people to reflect on what their values are so that yeah. if you're thinking about your biases, your triggers, and then you're like, okay, this is where who I my ideal self is, you're going to be then constantly self-aware of when you're not operating in that sense and mm -hmm. that's going to allow you to actually be more inclusive because you're going to find yourself you know seeing things through different lenses so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah you do have a part in your book about like the values and uh and also you just you give like a list of values which i appreciate because sometimes <laughs> it's kind of hard <laughs> It's just, you know, at the top of your head, just find those values. So that's really, really great. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really amazing. Um, so you wear multiple hats, as I said before. I would say that for me, like you would be a multi-passionate entrepreneur, which is like, I think this was this term was coined by like business coach uh, Marie Forleo. I don't know if you uh yeah, you're familiar. Yeah. yeah. So do you think this has anything to do with your background as a third culture kid? I was trying to think about that. I think I'm naturally a uh, <laughs> an energetic, curious individual. Because even when I was before I was even cognizant of traveling, I, I know <laughs> my teachers didn't know what to do with me. I, I always did well in school, but I was that kid that, you know, 
I, I always it was energetic. I'm, I might be the jokester in the class mm-hmm. or, or the one that couldn't sit down. <laughs> and, you know, people people always were like, what are we going to do with this guy? And so <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't, I think what I needed to do, regardless of whether it was TCK or not, was unlearn tradition, actually. I don't mm-hmm. think all tradition is good. But in Nigeria, and I'm sure in other African countries, uh, actually a lot of immigrant uh, countries that, are, that don't, you know, that aren't in the United States, they end up having this joke, at least in my family, lawyer, doctor, engineer, or failure. <laughs> so it was just drummed in my head that was supposed to be that. This was before I even became, you know, travel, you know, uh, uh, cognizant. And as I started to unlearn that concept that I can just be what I want to be, and it can be multiple things. And even the people that I admire are doing multiple things, and they're, they're you know, the polymaths, they're, you know, you know uh, multi-passionate it became something that I um, started allowing myself permission to, to have. And that was after 2012 for me, because I had this near-death experience, the car accident, and that opened it. And I had been a TCK at that point. It, it, was, yeah. it, it was more of a realization that life is short and I don't have to conform to other people's standards uh, of what success is. I just have to define my own level of success. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's tough. And maybe traveling allowed me to see that, but I feel like I was still operating in that fixed mindset mm, <laughs> yeah. early journey, until something woke me up. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, shoot. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's quite an experience to have. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So regarding third culture kids, uh, there's a staple book, Third Culture Kids Growing Among Worlds uh, by Ruth Van Raken and uh, the late David Pollock. Uh, they talk about some of the challenges. Uh, so we've talked about like the assets and the qualities, but like they talk about some of the challenges that TCK, TC, third culture kids can, can face, such as rootlessness, uh, as in not uh, the feeling of not having any roots and restlessness. So have you ever experienced any of those? And if so, how did you overcome them? I had an, I, I don't know if this is connected, but I had, an, I had a huge identity crisis for much of my formative years. The, uh, and it started, yeah, so that when I was that 10-year-old, I was trying to assimilate. And now I, I, I'm not a fan of, uh, you know, that assimilation, uh, mm. actually, because I think it and promotes loss of identity. But I was trying to do that. So I was doing my best to be, quote, unquote, American, even though I'd never been to America. And then when I came back to Nigeria for high school, you know, I was now not Nigerian enough. Mm-hmm. You know, people used to whisper around me about current events that I already knew. You know, I was like, oh, this is the governor. And I'm like, oh, by the way, that's for the, I'm like, of course I know. <laughs> I think I all know. Who, but, you know, it'd be like that or people would assume that. And then and then it was that in addition to people now putting me on a pedestal because sometimes it's hierarchy that many people have for England and United States. And like, oh, you sound this, you play that, you're cooler. But I felt an alienation from that. And so I was like, can I just like be <laughs> who I am and be accepted? And so yeah. for 10 to 17, yes, uh, age 10 to 17, I was just constantly going back and forth, you know, figuring out, okay, be this time, be this tile here, be this tile there. And when I graduated, I, I had to sign this contract myself. And, and I said, I need to accept that I'm everything and 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 and. and and nothing to some people but i i just I, as long as i'm happy with who i am mm-hmm. that's the best thing and my therapist puts it best this way she said um 
you need to accept that you're not the typical black person to some people. You're not a typical Nigerian person to some people. You're not a typical man to some some people. And, and that makes sense. It was something that I, that I, I had to come to terms with. But yes, as a third culture kid, I just didn't know who, who I was supposed to be sometimes. So yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. which one do you want? I mean, I, people already decided who I was. And then I was like, oh, gosh, okay. I guess I'm this person today. So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, speaking of identity crisis, actually. So um, that's really like the next question as well. Uh, so when we talk about third culture kids, we, we are talking about cultural identities for sure. Right. And 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 multiple most of the time, and um, so I'd like to use a page from your book, uh, literally, uh, and um, that I really liked this part. Um, so for for listeners, which I honestly I think everyone should buy this book. Everyone mm-hmm. should buy this book. It just helps you see the world differently. I've been working in intercultural interculturality for a while now, but sometimes I just get caught up in some, and you make everything clearer and like you give a a positive, um, but not like hyper positive, you know, like just like, this is how things are and this is how could they could be. And that's that's really a good feeling. So that's, thank you for that. So about identity, you have this uh, question, these questions about discovering other people's identities that I think is really interesting. And I would like for you, if you're game, uh, to answer the questions that you've uh, planned for it. Okay. Okay, so what are your multiple identities? Manchester United fan, LeBron James for sure. (laughs) A huge LeBron James fan. Uh, I love superheroes, Uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Black Panther. Um, I am into, fitness i love reading i love writing anything creative uh and see a lot of these things i mentioned are invisible right you won't be able to know if i let's say that and then my big part of my identity is my nigerian um i embrace that a lot uh i'm very into i'm into pan-africanism so the you know the the idea of uniting amongst africans um my name actually my name uh, tayo is short for akin tayo which means a warrior or brother's joy um my yoruba culture which is my 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 ethnic group, so my masculinity, yeah, yeah those are some of those things. <laughs> nice, nice. That's a very full full uh, response. So I I see you've thought about that. Oh, I'm sorry. everything that I write, I think about. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. It's like really thoughtful and thought out. So I can see that. Um, so. You said Manchester United. I just I'm I live in Liverpool and I have to represent for oh, Liverpool. God. This yeah. is not something you say to someone who lives in Liverpool. Like ah. no. <laughs> Hey, I we're not to. doing well anyway, so it's fine. I mean <laughs> Man City's gonna win this year, it looks like so. Oh but, wow, okay. Well No, I mean based on the table, basically it doesn't look like anyone's gonna catch yeah. them. So I'm not gonna act like I follow like football that much. <laughs> I, I was just trying to represent for Liverpool FC. So that's right, that's the biggest those are our biggest rivals. Yes. <laughs> so be careful, we'll be back. Or yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so are there any aspects of your identity you wish you could express more? And if so, why? 
I started doing it more, but it was my spoken word aspect. So I, I, I put the poems. I've always, I've been writing poems since I was 15, right? And I was still writing. But it used to, I didn't, you know, I didn't even consider myself a poet until like maybe a few years ago or, and then the spoken word aspect is something that I've recently discovered where when you do spoken word poetry, it's different from writing it. It's just a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a different experience. And it's something I've wanted to, I've been wanting to do for a little bit. I just put out two events at the time of this recording. It would have happened two weeks ago. And it's something that took me a long time to get, build confidence to do. So, so that, um, and more of my Yoruba side, my Yoruba, uh, the culture, you know, the language, food, you know, all the, uh, all, everything that comes to that. So yeah, those would be the two things I'll think of. That's interesting. Okay, I won't get like into depth and everything because I have. I'm curious, so I always have a lot of follow up questions. <laughs> but I'll just leave it there. Uh, so, what's your full name? You said a little bit about that before. Akintayo Abiola Roxon. Okay, how is it pronounced? Can you say that again so we can really like? Akintayo. Okay. That's the first name. Abiola. That's the second name. And then Roxon is the last name. Okay. So does it have a meaning? Yes. I can tell you it means the, uh, a warrior is brother's joy. A warrior, yeah. the brave one is brother's joy. Yeah. Abiola means wealth has been born. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Roxon, son of rock, I guess. <laughs> I still don't know where it came from. Some people say it might have been a freed slaves or something. Or because, mm-hmm. you know, I was born on the coast. I'm still f- figuring that out. I'm sure it's going to be an inter- interesting ancestry.com <laughs> something. Absolutely. But uh, I'm still curious about that part, but I'm not quite sure yet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely name. Uh, so do you know the ethnic origins of your name? And if so, what are they? Yoruba. Uh, both Yoruba. Both uh, first, first the middle name of Yoruba. And then I don't know where the last one comes from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a mystery yeah. to be solved soon, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. So, okay, this one is quite hard for me but like what makes you you <laughs> what makes me me is my uh i guess my on <laughs> my angry optimism let me put it that way i have uh, <laughs> I, I i heard one of my favorite comedians uh, sam minaj say he's an angry optimist but it's, it's something i really identify with because you know many people see me they don't think that i'm angry and i think it's because of we have all these negative stereotypes with black people and angry angry black woman angry black man but if there's anything I learned last summer, it is okay to be angry. And there were many pieces of my part that I was suppressing. I was just so angry last summer. And I was glad I got to experience that. But my anger is what leads me to want to like fight for any of these things. Because I remember what it was like, you know, living in fear as a kid, right? Just not knowing what the government was going to do. <laughs> and, then, and then also being feeling the anger from being bullied. You know, I was never physically bullied because uh, I was always generally bigger than the kids in my class or around the, the close to the biggest. But I was always emotionally, you know, bullied. And I had stories of people tearing up my clothes with scissors and pouring lotion wow. all over it and, you know, making all these jokes. And so, wow. so, yeah, so those things are things that anger me. But I've always been able to not always because I haven't always been successful. But for the most part, I've learned how to channel that anger into optimistic behavior so i think that's what makes me me because sometimes people will see me and like why do you think this way but like i'm like yeah it's just 
because I'm angry. <laughs> I get that. I get that completely. And I, I like that. I like the angry optimism because it's true that this is something that we're supposed, we're considered to be supposed to uh, suppress a feeling that we're yeah. supposed to suppress. And yeah. really it is something that can spark change and it just i think it's more a matter of how you channel it and that's, that's right but it's not easy to get to that because society says otherwise so yeah i get it okay last question on in your book so um list the places you've traveled to or lived that have had an effect on you and why so um nigeria is always where my heart is uh burkina faso you know, it's it where I felt like my identity started to form. I really started to tap into, you know, the other aspects of sports that I love and different things like that. I was learning a lot about myself. Um, you know, Hanoi, Vietnam exposed me to a deep, a much greater part of the world because it was the first place I went to where people didn't really know what a black person looked like. At least, you know, we used to get followed all the time. And, and I was like, oh, gosh, the world is, this is... <laughs> we, we, I, we need to uh united states always felt like an inevitable destination um okay. and sweden's where my brother was born my, my my middle brother so those are the things yeah nice nice i like yeah. that okay um so this was from your book and i love these questions i think they should be used like in any type of like um in meeting people because i guess one of the reasons maybe you you say in the book you created that is that sometimes it can be really hard for some people to to be related to especially people who have this experience and so there's so much that they carry that we carry i guess um that cannot be explained like in one fell swoop like if i can give an example like sometimes for me as a tck um, the simple question of where were you born from there, mm. I have to just tell my life story basically, because I, I was born in the US, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm French, I have a French nationality, but also I've lived in Rwanda and blah, blah. And then, so I have to tell my whole life story and it can be like, uh, it can be tiring for me. Like sometimes, and I do sometimes speak and choose who I tell what to, but like, I like those that this just sets everything and just makes everything clear so if i could just have that i don't know just the responses to that and just to give out to people <laughs> sometimes when i don't want to deal with that i don't know it might be harsh but i guess sometimes it would be nice no it's true it. that's a real that's so real that's so real <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah no i've definitely learned to pick and choose but now i've gotten so used to saying it so much that i you know say but it, it, it just took a while honestly um and it does get exhausting sometimes because sometimes they're, they're the probing questions that you might not be in the mood for and then they can be ignorant and they're like so wait do you speak nigerian and like ah well at least <laughs> <laughs> i have to explain colonization at this point no, like <laughs> oh my god that's too much how to explain the colonization oh lord uh, so at least you don't have to. Uh, well, I mean, it must have happened to you as well. Like, do you speak African? 
Yeah, African, Nigerian. Why is your English so good? You don't look African. You don't look Nigerian. I'm like, what the heck? What, what is <laughs> any of these things? So someone is even saying, I don't know if I don't have a put it in the book, but someone has come to me and sang the Lion King song to me before. And I was like, oh, I guess it's like, uh, it's weird. No. Yeah, I, you, there's so many things. I, I, I'm sure we could trade stories. It's just, you just, uh, I'm like, yeah. oh, where, how, <laughs> but. It happened. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. There's not actually a book out uh, from a late night show writer, um, Amber Ruffin. She I is love a, Amber Ruffin. Yeah, she's great, right? And she's yeah. actually written a book with her sister. And it's I think it's called uh, You Won't Believe What what happened and it's about like all the racist stories that her sister mm -hmm. goes through. And yeah. I, I've always wanted to do something like that because I, I get Yeah, there's so much, so much that you can talk about uh, when it comes to that kind of, that kind of, uh, the kind of things that you can hear, and and it's just like I don't think there's one way to respond to that. Yeah, like, no, I, agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I used to think yeah you have to educate people, but now I'm more like, you know, I do whatever you can do in the moment because it's a lot. Yeah. 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 So speaking of what we were talking about, like the identity crisis, uh, which is seems to be a part of the CK experience as well. And you were talking about your experience with that. So in one of my previous episodes, I had a conversation with Laurence uh, Limdani, which uh, uh, intercultural branding expert who you know, and who is the one who introduced us, but actually I found out about her through your podcast. So that's like, kind of like a full circle moment for me. Wow. Um, she, she talked about building identity because I was asking about like, how do you define your identity as she has also multi, uh, like a multi, multicultural background. And she talked about building your identity instead of defining it. So And how, and also about how culture is constantly evolving. So um, I know that you've talked about your cultural identity being something that was an issue. How do you deal with it now? Like, how do you how do you embrace it now? Is it something that's still evolving, still difficult, still? Yeah. Well, it's uh, very intentional now. It's not it's not difficult. I, I do it in so many ways. So I, I get asked to speak often and to you know maybe lead workshops and. You know, I'll wear it in my outfit, right? I might just wear, you know, uh, you know, yeah. a kaftan, a buba, ankara, or something like that. Or I might have it in a pocket square, or I might wear beads in my suits. I just intentionally am. I'm wearing. <laughs> I, I I do it in my clothes. Even in in stories I share, I I always make sure I, you know, sometimes I'll bring parents in, things that I learned from that. But I now incorporate it in 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 everything I do, and I, I teach communications as well, and so some of those stories. You know, sometimes I'll recognize uh, the names of people from different backgrounds and I, I, and I say their names. Um, and it's so important because I, I, I know sometimes I can always tell when a student is, has been hearing a different version of the name and they're, yes. they're saying that <laughs> because I'll oh, just you know, put in parenthesis, Tony or something else. I'm like, I'm calling you your name. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so um, those are the ways that, that, I, that I do it because I also want that that the kids also know that it's okay and and it's fine and i i'm very open by the way about my particular journey to it so that they know that they're not alone so um that's yeah. great Those are the ways I do that's that. great so it's about the way in which you present yourself to the, the way world. i show up you show up yeah. to the world. that's amazing so 
uh, so in the New York uh, Times article I read when I was doing the research, um, it mentioned that TCKs are really great at relating to people from like nearly everyone basically, but that in turn, uh, their narratives are very difficult to relate to for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So can you share your thoughts about this? What do you think? I can see how that could be. I mean, I think we, we, we touched on it earlier when, you know, people are trying to put you in places or define you, you know, like the Nigerian enough is the one that I can give you that where, you know, it's, it's who I am. It's my passport. But, you know, you go back home, maybe someone would say, well, you don't sound this or there's no way or you're too that. We have a phrase in, in Nigeria. It's called Oyibo. It basically means white person. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was like, vision, it's uh, like, oh, gosh. And um, it, it, I've seen how that can, you know, make it hard for people to either trust or relate you because they have like uh, preconceived notions about what you might be ignorant about or what you might know yeah. um, that and and you know and, and even outside of that you know people when people have a limited version of what a country person should be it plays a role into that as well and in the office dynamics the same same thing right if, mm. if you're not who they the idea of who they are is you know it, it's all that and i've also had the the extreme version where you know if there's a question about some something tangentially related to to africa you know they just turn to me and i'm like yo i'm in one part of 50 plus countries i don't even know everything about my country <laughs> what do you think why do you think I will know what happened oh, wow. <laughs> in Mauritania? Oh, I don't know. What do you think I'm supposed to do with this? So, yeah. yes, I, I can see that. Um, yeah. Just because it's all of us, many of us, we have work to do on our worldview. And I actually think it's all of us. Um, so, yeah, mm. based on people's worldviews, that's when the question comes, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I can see that. I can see how that identity can play a role that way. Mm. So yeah, that's knowing laughter for me is like I recognize everything you just saying. Um, when people just all of a sudden everyone turns to you because yeah. there's a certain topic or a certain song that's on or whatever yeah. the case may be. So it's like, yeah, it's something that um yeah, that's a part of our everyday experience, I think. Yeah. So. I was in a gym, I was in a gym one day. It was another Nigerian. I, I live in New York City, it's not a Nigerian American. And this uh this this white guy goes up to that guy and says, "Yo, you're not as Nigerian as this guy because you don't wear anything." And I'm like, "Yeah, I had to correct him. Like, that you can't measure anyone's Nigerian <laughs> uh, and all that." Or there's sometimes someone would do, do, "You don't know the song? The song is so funny. You don't know the song?" And I, no, how do you not know the song? I thought you were not. I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what are you?" If I did that, to, if I found any random genre in in, yeah. in America, for example, and I did the same thing, yeah. say, "Oh, you don't know this this folk song? <laughs> wow, how do you not know this folk song? What? It's uh, this is American history." Wow. <laughs> but people don't. That's what I'm saying. People don't see it that way. They don't. They don't see how it, 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 if you flipped it, is the. It's like, uh, this is a big country. Why would you ask me about that? But it's very. Uh, it goes both ways. Yeah. yeah, it's just like one of my favorite thing uh, that, well, I've heard like a lot of people, do you speak African? So my brother, my younger brother, the, my favorite thing he says is like, no, do you speak European? And uh, then they get like the ding, 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 light bulb. That's <laughs> the like, thing though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah European. <laughs> European, like 
excuse me. And they're like, no, there's so many countries. And they're like, and he's like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just something. But I also get the, the idea that when you like, when you're in Nigeria, you're not Nigerian enough either. And it's like um, the notion of like, I guess about belonging, I was talking to, I was talking to my therapist about this uh, today and I was saying like, it's about belonging nowhere and belonging everywhere. Mm. So it's like, um, yeah, it's like, it kind of is that idea that, and I guess that's how it really, well, a lot of people can relate also as immigrants and stuff like that, where it's like, it's never really enough. No matter where you are, you're not this or that enough, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's why, you know, we, I say this to TCKs, I say this to people that are not TCKs, learning how to know yourself and love yourself and accept yourself is the be- one of the best things you can do for yourself because, sure. you know, the world is constantly trying to tell you who you should be, but you can tell the world who you are, Yeah. right? So... Love that. I love that. I'm just going to keep that one in mind. You I love that I'm one. I'm just going to tweet that right now. <laughs> that just came to me. <laughs> the one. <laughs> yeah. That's a bar, as the kids would say. It's a bar. <laughs> yeah. Remember to put a uh, culture flow on there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is so good. Uh, but I, I that, love that, that, that one. That, 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 it's so yeah. good. It is so good. But so, I, I, I love the questions you've been asking. These are great. And I'm, I'm hoping that the audience, as the audience listens, that they can they understand that they have a role in that. In absolutely. Absolutely. So my final question to you, Teo, and honestly, thank you for your, for your answers. They're very, very thoughtful and thought out. My last question to you is a question you always ask at the end of your podcast to your guests. <laughs> so I'm flipping the script on you. Uh, so how do you use your difference to make a difference? Well, I have an answer for this, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's through storytelling. I feel like my superpower is communicating with impact and, and, and communicating stories. And one of the things, this is something I, I unlocked. I was, like I was saying later in my life, I had been writing. Ever since I was a kid, I still have those notebooks, but I didn't realize that I was a, a great storyteller until I started sharing stories in my blog and podcast. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say it's a superpower is because I get a lot of people emailing me about how they find themselves in stories that that I invite, bring, mm-hmm. and get that. And if you really think about the world, the world is formed based on stories. Any religion is a list of stories. Media yeah. is a list of stories. Movies are stories. So I think my ability to communicate with impact is, is probably the uh, uh, best way I use my uh, my superpower, my difference to make a difference. I love it. Thank you. Thank That's you. perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for joining me, for taking the time. This was really, really great. A great conversation that I can't wait to share with uh, my audience. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for the great questions. And uh, yeah, thank you for the laughs. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed this enlightening conversation and uh, thoughtful uh, responses as much as I did. Um, did anything maybe resonate with you or uh, surprise you? I know I really learned a lot and there were a few gems for me that that stuck with me um so if you want to continue the conversation go over to 
our Instagram page at Hello Culture Flow or join the Culture Flow Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay safe and stay sane.